Dr. Guy Hatchard, it's wonderful to talk to you. It has been a while, long overdue, actually, but it's in it's in worrying circumstances, actually circumstances that I would have laughed at four or five years ago if you had presented with me the bill that we are going to discuss today. But now that we know how far this government in New Zealand is willing to overreach, it's it's not just laughable. It's got deeply worrying implications for every single Kiwi who cares about their health, doesn't it? Tell us about the bill, what it is, what it stands for. Uh, the therapeutics product therapeutic products bill is a bill that has just gone through its first reading. Uh, public submissions are available until the fifteenth of February, and it's a long bill. It's nearly four hundred and fifty pages long. And it covers the whole range of uh, medical interventions. So it's really replacing the Medicines Act and a number of other subsidiary acts. And a significant part of it is the regulation of natural health products. Now, this is the third attempt of the government to regulate natural health products. The first two attempts were uh, abandoned because of public opposition. And... The reason for this is that more than 50% of people take natural health products in New Zealand. So they're popular and their regulation will be costly and a lot of products will disappear. And this is regulation that is very much promoted by uh, the move to uh, to really normalize all uh, medical regulations all over the world between countries. And that's something that's very much driven by pharmaceutical companies. So I want to, I want to pick up on that, actually. It, uh, there's, a, there's a line I read. Exporters and distributors can only make permitted health benefit claims if this goes through. They must be substantiated by scientific evidence, which is so ironic when safe and effective has been shown to be so utterly unscientific from this government. <laughs> and, and that really the New Zealand government is backing the medical pharmaceutical agenda, this article says, to take away yet again our free choice to control our own body and our own health. That's at the very heart of this, isn't it? It's a pharmaceutical outlet, uh, outlook, and uh, MedSafe is a member of the International Coalition of Medicines Regulatory Authorities, which is a, a body that is not a government-appointed body in any sense. It, it operates in an unregulated global space. It coordinates regulations across countries. It's funded by the pharmaceutical system. And there are some real absurdities here. Um, you start in 2016, the, the government, uh, Ministry of Health published a list of over 5,000 uh, permitted or restricted ingredients. And some of these you would be very surprised at. Um, you'd be surprised at mustard or cinnamon or eggplant or aloe vera uh, coconut coconut which everybody uses <laughs> what about turmeric which is well known as an anti-cancer agent well known and most of us use in our food every day black pepper kn which can stop a heart attack can help with heart attack problems cinnamon which helps lower blood pressure all of these things that injured kiwis injured by the government policies over the last two years, Guy, will be desperately in need of these sorts of things. This book here 
says prescription alternatives, hundreds of safe, natural, prescription-free remedies to restore and maintain your health. This is something that intergenerationally, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, they all knew to use food as your medicine. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of studies now to back that up. Look at turmeric. Turmeric is an effective uh, treatment and preventive for bowel cancer. And there are a great number of studies on this. And it, so why is it being regulated? Well, the, the essence of the bill is this, is that if something can be proven to benefit health, it becomes a medicine. And also under the bill, only doctors can prescribe medicines. So effectively, it removes anything that is healthy uh, from ease of uh, use and uh, puts it in the hands of doctors who are not actually educated in nutrition. They might have, you know, an hour or two in their many year course to become a doctor looking at nutrition. So, uh, there's a sort of it's a sort of reverse patenting actually pharmaceutical companies would love to patent things like neem or turmeric or turmeric extract or so on but they can't because they're naturally occurring so instead you put pressure on governments to control them so that only uh, medical authorities can use them but and i i said guy it's laughable i mean my garden is full of aloe vera plants. So if I burn my hand on the stove, I go out to the garden and I break open an aloe vera leaf and I put the gel in there on my hand. Done. It doesn't, it doesn't, it heals very quickly and it doesn't hurt like a normal burn. What are they going to come to our gardens and go through our gardens where we're growing rosemary or garlic? How how on earth does a government become so foolish, so ludicrous that it thinks it can control the people to this extent, Guy? how, well, how it, controls it, it controls it as a product. If it was sold in a shop, it would get controlled. Um, you know, take Rawolfia serpentina. It's a, a, a herb that controls high blood pressure very effectively and very safely. There are studies on it. But uh, you can't buy it in New Zealand. It's banned because one of its compounds, one of its alkaloids, it has many compounds, as all plants do, it is used in beta blockers. And so the monopoly goes to the producers of beta blockers, which have side effects, whereas the natural product is effectively banned. So that's how this works. And they'd like to extend this. In fact, pharmaceutical companies are buying up a lot of uh, natural health product manufacturers. There is, uh, you know, and, and it's part of a move towards synthetics. So in this 5,000 list uh, of ingredients that should be regulated, there are over 3,000 of them are simply approvals for synthetics. So a lot of synthetics have actually, they don't need new laws to do this even already. A lot of things that you buy in the supermarket, which are synthetic copies, which are not real in the sense that they are not exact copies. They're different and they have different effects, are now approved. You buy vanilla ice cream and it says on it, natural vanilla flavor. Well, that doesn't come from the vanilla plant. It's a synthetic copy produced via biotechnology. And it's never been safety tested. 
it is slightly different from the vanilla. It tastes sort of tastes the same, but then it doesn't quite taste the same. My point before when I said they can't control what we grow in our gardens, I believe looking at this, this whole idea behind this bill, we are going to find we have a black market where we grow things and we exchange things and we make things at home and we help one another underneath the nose of the government. We will have to do this because they are trying to be so oppressive in our in our shops that we will have to find ways to help each other with natural products from, from our own inventiveness, probably again in the way our great-grandparents did before there was all this commercialization of these products. What's your feeling about that? The more they try to put their jackboot on our throats, Guy, the more people are going to become inventive. What Do you feel that? Yeah, people will vote with their feet, won't they? I mean, I have aloe vera pl plants in my garden too. I can walk out my front door yes. and soothe the, soothe the burn. Yeah, but even so, it's such a, it's such a stupid enterprise, really. I mean, how are they, you know, so much money goes into this. You're going to have to pay to register these project products if you're retailing them. See, some people don't have time to go to their own garden. They're busy people. They're working. They want to uh, take something that uh, is anti-inflammatory, for example, uh, because a lot of uh, disease, modern diseases have to do with inflammation. Well, they want to be able to go into a shop and buy something and, and take it. Whereas Absolutely. This could yep. be controlled. So, But it, the point it, is saying to the government, this government overreach, this ludicrousness must stop. Now, if they won't listen, I believe this bill is going to wake up a lot of Kiwis. As you said, 50% the estimates of 50% of Kiwis like natural products. And with the injury rate that we're getting in New Zealand at the moment from a certain rollout of a government policy, even more Kiwis are looking at alternative remedies. How far does this stretch into alternative remedies, this bill, such as acupuncture, things like that, that many people are looking yeah, at? It's going to control anything that, uh, that um, purports to regulate to improve health so you, you know the government doesn't have the expertise to to control this it's an enabling bill this new bill doesn't actually contain the 2016 list it will enforce it but at the moment it doesn't contain that list it's going to appoint a regulator who will regulate all natural approaches to health complementary approaches to health well no one has that kind of level of expertise how many, you know, there's Indian medicine and Chinese medicine and and homeopathy and, and uh, you know. And, uh, Osteopathy, so many options. Therapy and, and, and so on. Well, the whole idea is, is absurd that one person can decide what, what is good for us. It's an absurd overreach. And there's absolutely no evidence that this is harmful. In fact, an EU report reports that. Uh, natural health products, a comprehensive report, are 45,000 times safer than pharmaceutical drugs. So why are we giving the people who are uh, banner holders for pharmaceutical drugs, the medical profession, control over natural health products? It's absolutely ridiculous. They're not harming anyone. There's no need for the government to step in here. Absolutely no need whatsoever. 
And getting back to your point earlier, that this is being controlled by a non-governmental body that floats around on the international space that is really a supporter and driven by big pharmaceutical interests. So there's clear bias here towards one way. Really, we need to just get people on drugs and jabs. So let's go into that point of it being an enabling bill. Go into that a bit deeper, Guy, because, well, because that makes it very subjective and worryingly so. Well, the enabling bills are the tools of repressive regimes, basically. Mm. When Adolf Hitler came to power, he passed the Enabling Act. The Enabling Act basically said he could, you know, basically do whatever he wanted. And this is a similar kind of bill. And they don't work. They've tried to do this, a very similar bill with natural products in South Africa. It hasn't worked. It's it's cumbersome. It's enormously costly. And that all gets passed on to the public. So this bill is it's intended that anyone who wants to claim that they can benefit health with anything has to register with the government. They have to submit papers proving that they can uh, improve health and so on. And each stage they have to you know, submit fees so that people in the government, civil servants, can assess this and so on. The cost becomes very, very large. I mean, if a single company makes 300 products, each of which, say, benefits two uh, areas of health, they'd end up with about $3 million worth of fees that they have to pay the government. Where have we seen evidence of that sort of chaotic over-regulation and overpayment to the government? Was this, Within Australia, there have been examples of that, haven't there? Yeah, well, Canada is the, I think, the 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 best example as far as natural health products is concerned, because it's very hard to product to purchase natural health products now in Canada. It's it's highly regulated. See what happens essentially. Uh, all this talk of regulation and so on, and and they, they also say, oh, well, it'll make the public feel very confident and so on and so forth. The the real effect is that these products disappear, except. By products produced by very large manufacturers, and uh, it, 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 that contain synthetics, and that's what you get on your health uh, on your health shelves. You get products produced that uh, are really nothing like natural health products. I know with synthetic um, cannabis, it caused a lot of problems years ago when it was introduced by Peter Dunn compared with the, the product made in nature. Should people be worried about synthetics? I'm sure the government will make many reassuring noises about that being safe and effective. Um, well, tell us a bit more. Why. Yeah. Look at vaping. Yeah, we, so we're, we're supposedly getting rid of tobacco project products very good people will be more healthy and we're replacing them with vaping for which there is an inadequate research on long-term health safety and yeah. huge profits to those who who produce the products whereas here with the natural products there are not the huge products going into the into the big corporates as you said the cost is a real worry the cost for um, somebody bringing in a good vitamin c product guy and many people are know, know now that vitamin c is an essential vitamin d is essential at the moment with all the jab injured that we have in new zealand what sorts of rises in costs are we talking you mentioned three million but just take us why take us through why the costs go up so very well, much. well i estimated i looked at one you know a little packet of tea herbal tea i reckon that if they had if they wanted to make a health claim you know, if they just called it, this is herbal tea. But if they wanted to say it makes you, uh, 
you know, improves digestion, just say. They're going to make a health claim. Well, that tea might go up uh, from, say, $12 for a you know, little packet. It might reach $60 or $80 for the packet just because of the complexity and the manufacturing requirements. It's not just making the claim. You then have to prove that your manufacturing facility meets pharmaceutical standards. Um, it, and you know what pharmaceuticals that you know sort of you know air air quality control guns those what you know quite a lot involved not just that and and uniformity and this is one of the great sort of um, illusions of the whole idea of of how to regulate natural products. The thing is that a plant has varying amounts of its alkaloids according to where it's grown, which soil it's grown in, and so on. So if you move on to pharmaceutical standards, then it has to have an exact percentage. It's manufacturing. It has to be exactly like this, this, and this, and this. Now, So some would say that's great, Guy. Then we've got uniformity and we've got predictability and this is science. What do you say to that? Well, you can only achieve that level of standard by using synthetics, which are actually different from the natural plant. There's a principle in natural medicine, and especially in natural herbal medicine, it's the whole plant, not just the single extract that produces the effect. And that's definitely uh, backed up by research. If we're talking about backing up, let's back the truck right up, that we we came from a species who who wandered the plains and found medicinal herbs and plants and knew that there were certain things that really helped improve our health, our robustness, our underlying uh, immunity. And those things stayed in place for thousands of years. And now we have this new era as of, what, the last hundred or so years, Guy, where we have the arrogance, the hubris as a human race to say science knows better the nature in all cases. And those who doubt that only need to look at what science or the speed of science has rolled out in the last year. Even those who are saying, oh, I believe in the jab, have to admit they've been sick two, three, four times in New Zealand since the rollout of the jabs. Should Kiwis be questioning this religion of science well, a I lot think more. You'd be questioning the politicization of science. I think science in itself is something that's really rather good. I mean, you it's systematic investigation and verification, but we haven't had that. We've had a sort of political science uh, and and a commercialization of science. You know, uh, it, again, you know, you can refer to the pandemic. Of course, it's a se separate issue in many ways from natural health products. But it, again, you have a, you, you know, someone, a, a company with a lot of commercial clout seeking to sell its product, product and shortcut the whole testing procedure. With, with natural health products, it's a different situation. They're letting lots of products onto the market without any testing at all, citing what they call substantial equivalence, which is that, you know, this product tastes like a strawberry, the strawberry flavor tastes like strawberry, so it's probably okay. And so you can sell that, no problem. And we that gets back to the 2016 list you referred to a couple of times earlier in, in our talk. That had 5,000 substances on it, but about what, 3,000 
were synthetics. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so three thousand were synthetics. Things to do with fragrances, cosmetics, uh, all different kinds of uh, foods, of course, and so on. And some of them are actually known to be carcinogenic, but they're simply thrown on the list. Um, with certain colorings and so on, uh, also affecting ADHD. So you. You have people in this country uh, who are uh, Dr. Julia Rutledge, for example, at Canterbury University, who is uh, doing research on nutrition and ADHD and has found that micronutrition, uh, giving uh, kids a, a broader uh, diet source of uh, dietary substances, uh, um, including vitamins and so on, actually reduces incidences of ADHD. So the nutrition is potentially very useful here. We, we have a shift in diet towards ultra-processed foods. And uh, Dr. Asim Maholtra, cardiologist in the UK, for example, recommends that if a food has more than five ingredients, uh, processed food, toss it out. <laughs> because you're just adding risk to risk. You're, we are, look, going back to your people wandering the plains and and so on there's there's one a study which looked at neanderthal bones and found that they that, that they used herbs um just analyzing what they ate and we've we've had for millions of years we've been evolving with a symbiotic co-relationship with food sources and we can assimilate them we're used to them i i mean modern research is starting to show that the there's a genetic exchange of information with our food sources, and that supports health. So suddenly we're we're throwing in a lot of synthetics, and now we've decided to go big on biotechnology. Biotechnology is going into the cell, and the, the cell environment is what we depend upon for our genetic stability and reproduction and so on. This is all really risky stuff. And we just don't want to go there. We'll be losing health. There was a tremendous dentist who went, I think, about 100 years ago around the Pacific. I just can't think of his name right now, but he studied all the Pacific Island people. And he found that their link was, for example, coconut and the fish that they were eating formed incredible jawlines, beautiful teeth, perfectly aligned teeth compared with those in England. And he realized the intergenerational impact on, on just one aspect alone of the alignment of our teeth and our jawlines and and was, was somebody who then dug deep into how diet can affect from, from, you know, grandfather to grandson that what that grandfather passes in terms of his good eating. This will weaken, if we go to synthetics, this will weaken our DNA, I believe. Is. It already is. I mean, we're... We're seeing starting in 2014, way before the pandemic, that longevity has started to decline in the United States. Yeah. And, you know, if you've lived in the United States, you'll know that their diet is absolutely riddled with synthetic ingredients and and uh, bioengineered ingredients and so on. And, uh, you know, it's continued. The pandemic has accelerated that. And that's just the, more of the same, really. So let's let's think too from a business perspective. If we have someone saying, "Oh well, you know, a few of these will be all right. I can live with this," what's it going to affect as far as not just our health but our businesses? Pharmacists are going to have a lot of goods taken off their shelves, aren't they? So they need to get involved in this fight. And doctors are going to be terribly out of their depth, as you said earlier. Natural health 
shops and natural health practitioners are going to be severely affected, I'd, I'd hazard a guess. And then we have producers of products, growers of, of herbs, uh, people who import these products. I can think of someone who imports and makes a fortune out of lipospheric uh, vitamin C is going to be very impacted by this. Are they not, Guy? Yeah, they, they uh, yeah, smaller companies will get affected. And, uh, yeah, just the cost of, of complying with this kind of regulation. Yeah. It's prohibitive. I, I, I think fundamentally it's it, this whole medical model that they're trying to bring in now, because one of the purposes of this bill actually is to facilitate the use of biotechnology and medicine. So this is one of the main purposes of the bill. It's not just about natural health products. It's also about facilitating new technologies and facilitating the rapid approval of new technologies. And when you look carefully at, at biotechnology, the, the kind of dream that is being sold is that we will personalize medicine for each individual. So we'll measure you, we'll decide exactly what you personally need, and we'll make it for you. But that's a total dream, actually. If you really want that kind of medicine, you shouldn't really want it because it's awful, uh, is you're going to have several very expensive biotechnologists looking after you. You're going, it's only it's only going to be possible for the wealthy. And for the general population, it's just an absolute dream, actually. The, but 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 is that going to give even those wealthy few good health? I would no, argue not. not. No. 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 So no. so where where do we go with this biotechnology? I know you've started something called Globe. Tell us about this, because there are many people now saying, I don't want what these governments around the world are offering. I don't want that for my family's health. I certainly am one. Where where are you going with Globe, guys? Globe.global is our website, and we're providing information at this stage, but we're reaching out uh, to start a campaign for global legislation outlawing biotechnology experimentation, and we're gradually uh, starting to get traction with this very broad idea, which is uh, it, it's based on research, though. I, Basically, when you look at the history of biotechnology, it hasn't worked. It's dangerous. And it is, it, it, there's something very fundamental about that. Let me just go back one, one step again. DNA, you think, well, DNA, it's the kind of source of life, right? Well, actually, where does life come from? Look at a cell. A cell may have 40 million, a single cell may have 40 million proteins in it. It's got the DNA, but it's got a whole mechanism uh, how to extract information from the DNA and produce proteins. And very simply put, actually, the proteins that extract the information from the DNA can only be made from the DNA. So you have a chicken and egg situation. You have a whole complete holistic system that is self-referral. No one actually knows where it comes from, but the thing it reminds me most is consciousness. The, the, and in fact, I feel that the physiology exists to support consciousness. Consciousness in that sense is primary. If you alter those enormously complex arrangements inside the cell, you're potentially altering consciousness, you're potentially undermining the reproductive basis of life. 
you're you're changing our identity so there are so many things that we don't know about biotechnology and there are so many things that are imagined by public relations so the public perception that comes from science fiction films and pharmaceutical company brochures and public relations it's an illusion this is really dangerous technology and that very much and what you described there is something so nuanced so subtle in its delivery to to life itself as opposed to the biotechnology guy which strikes me when you talk about it as treating humans as if we are mere machines you put you put petrol in here and the machine turns on and off it goes we are not that we are so much more than that Explain a little bit more of that about consciousness. And, and it's relevant because really what we're having left now in the world is uh, our mind, our body, our spirit. They're trying to, it seems, take control of the very essence of who we are. I won't give them my body. I wouldn't give them my body to force me to take something a government told me to take. I, I want to keep my body, my mind, and my spirit separate from the government and definitely separate from big pharmaceutical. But now they're trying to even invade me via the food I want to eat. There is something very dark about this, this forcing, this coercing, and taking away our choices, isn't there? It, there is, but it's very self-destructive. So those, <laughs> those people who are doing this are sort of shooting themselves in the foot, yes. actually. I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking that, you, you know, it's very clear now that the, the American military, the Department of Defense have been very involved with the COVID response in the United States. And no doubt that that has filtered through to New Zealand. There was there is a perception that uh, we were dealing with, a, as far as COVID is concerned, with a bioweapon and therefore everyone really should get vaccinated. But no one really looked into the potential dangers of biotechnology. I think a lot of people are very uneducated about uh, biomolecular processes, biotechnology. They don't realize how essential it is to life and how easily it's damaged. Um, you, 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 you have a car. If you leave a car outside um, in your garden for years, it rusts right it, it it just falls apart and that's typical of the whole of life actually things just deteriorate the, the exception to that is life life actually evolves it doesn't fall apart it through a process through generations it starts to grow it grows in knowledge it grows in in uh, many characteristics it, it's moving against what is called the second law of thermodynamics, that everything is going to deteriorate and decay in a closed system. And how does that happen? It happens because of that whole genetic setup in the cell. That actually, in, in a way we hardly understand, reverses decay and produces evolution and growth. And are we going to tinker with that? I mean, this information is hidden inside the cell and inside the cell nucleus. It's deliberately hidden by nature. Why would we possibly be tinkering with that? Just like the nucleus of an atom. Why do we want to tinker with that? Because the whole world will explode. It's, it, it's an area, it's a no-go area. It's an area where we really don't want to go because it's the basis of who we are. 
that it's and, and I'm look, I'm not talking imagination here. I'm just talking science. I mean, I, colleagues of mine in the, the gene therapy field who are trying to, you know, cure diseases like cystic fibrosis and head, inherited diseases for the good of mankind. But they're absolutely appalled at the way biotechnology, the techniques that they have developed over years, they know are dangerous and, and they still haven't solved their problems. And they are appalled that suddenly it's been uh, run out for the whole world's population without a thought for safety. And look, this this madness, it, it's so mad. You know, for example, in the, in the US now, you can write to, there are a number of companies doing this, you can write to companies and ask for copies of serious illnesses like smallpox. You can actually, they, they can actually synthesize smallpox legally and send anybody who asks for a copy of a, of a smallpox virus or a, an Ebola virus. This is, and, and the people who market this say, well, yeah, we, we, we really don't know whether it's dangerous, but it's legal. <laughs> this is shocking. I mean, you you laugh, and it's what I said at the beginning. One wants to laugh in a kind of desperate laughter, but there's something so dark underlying this. When I first read this bill, which was, uh, I think it was rolled out in November, and then the first reading was about December the 15th. As we were all going off on holiday, this came just on Christmas Eve, I heard first heard about this, when we're all exhausted. And now they're going to rush this bill through for early February. So this mad, insane idea, I can see why you laugh, because it makes the government look absolutely stark raving bonkers if you really look into it. Why would a government would be do doing this? I mean, so many priorities that they could have. You know, there's our economy <laughs> in beds, there our health system is under pressure, our, you know, the housing system appears to be on the verge of collapse and so on. And, and they're doing this? They're wasting their time trying to regulate what we have for breakfast? For goodness sake. And look, the great thing about this is, you know, and perhaps why we can laugh, is that it is doable to oppose this because yes. everybody eats their breakfast. Everybody knows that food is beneficial for health. Well, almost every food we eat is beneficial for health. That shouldn't make it into a medicine. It's insane. Or that we have to go to the to a doctor to get permission to have something that perhaps in one of those books like the one I held up earlier, there are thousands of them from when I was young, talking about how one can have a health crisis, go on juicing and semi-fasting and do herbs and very quickly feel better, very quickly feel a lot healthier and sleep better and wonder at the the incredible ability of the body to heal itself if we support it with real food. And this is where you talk about the food, the cells of the food have life in them that supports the life in our own cells. There's something mystical that these people who treat our bodies as machines simply cannot access in their science laboratories, can they? And, and you are a scientist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, just something as simple as taking, uh, sipping hot water through the day uh, it makes for easier digestion, and digestion is really the basis of health. Well, so hot water is healthy. Are we going to only go to doctors for hot water? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just plain mad. It, it is, is mad. Why, why are they reaching? 
for control of every aspect of life. It, it's it's a kind of mental weakness. I think it's a, it's a psychopathy uh, on the part of the government that they imagine that these are things that they ought to control. Well, we don't have to pretend that Kiwis are not aware. Many, many now are waking up about the jab. Many have known people to be injured. Some, sadly, to have died and have had the nous to question and say, could it have been the jab, even though the government continues to say it's safe and effective, as around the world more and more evidence shows it never was, and that overseas they're acknowledging that. Now people are researching things like the World Health Organization, which seems to be an organization intent on making world citizens sick to me, Guy. Is that well, that's it, power, you know, give a person a little bit of power and they, you know, give them a yacht, they take a mile. The the uh, I, I I I you know I do want to reach out to people who are sort of changing their mind because I think it's a very difficult I think we're all aware it's a very difficult position because the government came in there and said, you know, you're absolutely virtuous if you are going to get this and it's the right thing to do and it's moral and the, the people who don't do it are somehow immoral or should be ex excluded and people took a position on this they took a psychological position you know it's an enormous number of people spoke out strongly in their families and in their workplaces I am standing for what is right and they took an open public position on this and proudly participated in what the government was offering and what they didn't realize was that the CVTAG, the committee that was advising the government about who should be authorized to take this, they had reservations. They were becoming aware of myocarditis. They were worried that younger people, you know, people under 40 or 50, were not really getting any benefit from the vaccine, but they were exposing themselves to risks. And then suddenly there was a, a, a shift and it apparently, to my mind, it's a political shift where the government said, no, 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 we're going to insist on that. Why they did it, and then the CV tag complied, complied with that. Now, you're you're there, you're having your doubts today in, in time, and, and you're wondering what to do. It's quite difficult, actually, having taken a public stance, psychologically difficult, difficult to change at this point in time, and to admit I did wrong, or to say to other people, I did wrong. Well, you have to take courage with that. Do some research. Inform yourself. Look at people like Dr. Asim Maholtra talking to Tucker Carlson, for example, where over a period of 50 minutes, he really goes through the whole situation in great detail. Inform yourself. And there's, you know, it's going to be difficult to change gear at this time, but change gear we have to. Yeah. It, it's a different published landscape out there yep. you know i'm there was a time when people were saying oh well, you don't have the evidence well quite honestly the evidence now is very one-sided the published and evidence in scientific journals is very much calling this is potentially very dangerous Biotech. Even the CDC in America is trying to roll back and say, oh, that we didn't quite know that it would have this effect on hearts and strokes. And, you know, we, we weren't really told. They're trying to pass the buck and there'll be a lot of that coming up. I agree with you, Guy. It's very hard when you've been uh, condemning of others as well and aggressive and saying, I'm doing the right thing and you're wrong and you deserve ostracism for that, to then turn around and say, perhaps I was sucked in. 
I was sucked in by a government that lied to me. But I have noticed on the side of those who were ostracized, uh, there is, in terms of my circles, and I'd like your view on this, great love. I never want to judge or condemn anyone the way I was judged and condemned. If anybody wakes up now, I just want to offer love and support and as much information as I can to help that person. I think that's a really important part of this process, that we heal all this division as well that was sown across New Zealand. What's your view, Guy? Absolutely. We have to find a way ahead. We can't uh, judge one another. No. Truth alone triumphs. Yeah. You know, this, this is whatever the truth is here, it's going to come out. And it, it, it's going to come out, you know, at the pace it comes out. I mean, thalidomide, it was, you know, over a period of many years, uh, about 10 years, where it just gradually came out. Uh, uh, you know, the discovery uh, of um, the fact that um, poor water supply in London was called, causing a cholera epidemic actually took 30 years to filter into the medical profession from when it was first proven scientifically. So these things can take a long time, but we don't have time here. You know, biotechnology is potentially dangerous. There are 137 new mRNA vaccines in the pipeline. Every continent now has big labs dealing with uh, pathogens, dealing with uh, biotechnology research. These products are coming on market, enormous uh, investment involved. Uh, governments are involved. There's a bandwagon going. So we don't have time with this technology. We have to start drawing the line and saying, no, hasn't worked. You know, obviously it's not effective, but also it's not safe. And it's fundamentally not safe. For those who are diehard advocates for that, they may say, yes, we may have got it a bit wrong the first time, but we can, you know, this sort of Bill Gates thing, we can just keep tweaking it until we get it perfect and then the next jab. Now, I heard yesterday in Queensland, just across the ditch, they are rolling out a three for one. I think it's got flu, it's got COVID and uh, and one other one in there. And, and the scientist so happy, so cocky. This will be wonderful. It'll, it'll stop people going to hospital. You know all the arguments. I, I believe that the suffering caused by this one is waking up enough people to say never again. I'm surprised how many people took two and are now saying, I'll never take another jab. Yeah. I felt sucked in. I, I don't believe even their propaganda and their marketing will be enough to overcome this word of mouth, person to person, that is happening. But I do, but I do worry very much about the food because they seem now to be putting it in via another way, as you say, the biotechnology. A couple of things there, Guy. Do you think your new move, Globe, really can take off and get traction around the world? What sort of reaction are you having to stop this biotechnology madness? I think at this point, I'm in correspondence with people. Good. Uh, this is something that has to be talked through. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say uh, we should stop this mRNA fights a COVID jab. That's one thing. And, and you, you, you know, you're right. There's a lot of people now who have got traction here. We've got research. But to take the next step and say, look, fundamentally, this technology is flawed. That's that's a highly technical argument, and you know, gathering people around that argument uh, is going to require discussion. 
But at the same time, it's something that has to happen. So we're trying to promote that kind of discussion. We're trying to put information out there. I know my uh, blog and some Globe's articles are appearing in the UK press. I've been on some media there. And uh, the other day, one of my articles uh, was tweeted uh, by a scientist in the, UK, in, in the USA. It got 250,000 views. Wonderful. I'd love I'd love to help with that. I, I might I might just talk to you about how what I could send out to some of those people who reached out in the baby will case from around the world sure. and see if we can help. As secondly, is there any finance that you need? Do you need a millionaire to get behind this and help you with the with the pushing of this? Because what a wonderful New Zealand initiative this would be if this little country could start a worldwide movement to say we are stopping the forcing of biotechnology on human population. Sure. What do you need there, Guy? Well, you know, I was invited to attend a conference in London, uh, you know, next month. But, yeah, I mean, finance helps. You can go to our website, hatchardreport.com. You can help. Um, and, you know, it can be a small amount. It helps. It adds up. We're, we have, you know, we have a, an influence that's much larger than our numbers. Yes. But... Uh, you know, yes, money, but it's knowledge. This is a whole, this all has to do with, you know, for example, there's a company that recently produced an Alzheimer's drug. And the drug, as it turns out, doesn't work. And yet you look at the budgeting of the company, they spent four times as much on promoting the drug than they did developing it. That's just simply on public relations. This, this is, is how companies work, you know. So you if you want to match that, you've you do you can do use resources effectively, no doubt about it. This is something that we were talking about yesterday with some friends. There are all of these Kiwis who have a lot of money and they're holding back and wondering where is a safe place to to help to make the changes. To me, this seems one very obvious one. Biotechnology is going to continue to be forced on us unless we, the people, stand up and say we don't want it. It was never discussed with us. That's the danger because, you know, there are mechanisms to deliver biotechnology where which you can't stop through nasal sprays, through uh, all kinds of mechanisms that you can, you know, there are people busy uh, growing, uh, breeding plants that have vaccines in them. Yeah, biotechnology is a huge, huge uh, enterprise, trillions of dollars involved all over the world. This is this is John Wyndham level Day of the Triffids stuff. If you haven't read that book, it's, it's yeah, I have, an, yeah. yeah, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare scenario. Guy, we laughed earlier at the madness of trying to take away things that we all use every day and that we want and trying to limit them, trying to take them off the shelves so we can have easy access to them and not have to grow them. But behind that, this darkness, what other ways can we, can each of us watching, people watching this interview who want to help, how can we stop, first of all, the rollout of this, this bill to, to into law and secondly, how can we stop this enormous world push by certain uh, very vested interests, such as Bill Gates and the World Health Organization, to force us into biotechnology? What can individuals do, Guy? We can arm ourselves with knowledge. 
we can use scattershot in our communications. I think this health bill is something that's non-controversial. We can use, we should use scattershot. We should contact as many people as possible. If we know influential people, we should encourage them to, to speak up. We should take care of ourselves as well. Don't get tired. Don't take this into your heart. Um, you, you know, I think it was Tennyson who said, those also serve who only stand and wait. There is silence, you know, there's great power in silence. There's a great power in appreciating nature. It's much stronger than we realize. You know, and these are great models for government. You know, look at the sun. Sun shines every day and it shines on everybody and it shines on everybody equally and nourishes everything. This is kind of a model for government. You know, government is should be nourishing. It shouldn't be you know just trying to decide how to control everyone so everyone does exactly like i want you know that's a childish mistake you know that was i got when i first uh, had a responsible job back in the 70s i really did think that management was telling everybody what to do although i soon got sorted out i realized that management is about facilitating people to be successful and that's that's what the government that's a lesson that the government has to realize these are all to do with education our edu this pandemic is a failure of our education system you know people have come out of modern education you know full of egotistic notation uh, uh, yeah, aspirations for controlling everything it, it's a uh, you know it's it's not how families work it's not how like you know families parental responsibility and care you want your children to succeed it's nourishment that works and there's a huge part of this as with the jab that's about freedom to choose isn't it <clears throat> absolutely how can and, that how can you take that away from people yeah. and freedom to have open discussions so that i can tell you certain aspects that i know are healthy i mean i said about the aloe vera before or neem oil is a great one it's a it's a well-known uh healer it's it's a really powerful oil tell us a bit about neem and yet if this bill were to go through you won't be able to tell me what you're about to tell me about neem that would be verboten that would be forbidden <laughs> neem uh it's a it's a great fungicide for example uh it's a tree grows in india and uh you can use it in very highly diluted to spray things um right now for example it's very very wet so my zucchinis in my um Poly tunnel are uh, have got mildew. Well, spray them with a very dilute uh, a thing of neem and so on. It's also a blood purifier, mm. so it can be taken internally. It's quite liable. In fact, in the 2016 uh, list, uh, neem was specified for external use only. So it's medicinal properties. It's probably one of the the most widely used medicines in India. Uh, you know, it's beneficial in cases of parasites and things like that. It, it would be banned. So that is, we 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 must wake up. Each person who wants a healthy family, who wants their own health to be at a premium level, must get involved in this. Guy, how does somebody approach a bill that is so enormous? They seem to have put a lot of uh, obfuscation into this bill. It's not an easy one to read, is it? No, it's not. I think, um, you know, I, I I put out a couple of releases on this. I put out a video on YouTube. We'll uh, put that underneath this interview. We'll add that in. 
it's about the therapeutics i think it says something like what will the therapeutic products bill do for us or something like that and uh it's short and it'll give you material which you can use for a submission and it, very effective to go and meet your mp i think if they get a big um you know inbox then it does have some effect particularly if you go to their facebook accounts almost all uh mps now have facebook account, accounts go to their facebook accounts and write your opinion on there because they'll take more notice on that than they will of getting an email yes meet with your mp please do and i note that it's you know it's getting cross party support and there's only the maori party raised questions the um the um national party uh, i've seen letters now coming back from national party mps to their constituents saying we like this bill basically we feel that this will give people assurance and uh, they'll know what they're taking and it's all everything will be totally safe and so it's fine and this you need to challenge this it's not going to be fine it the provisions do not meet those criteria they're not workable and uh, then there, the Indian community and the Chinese community, you know, the Indian community relies on their traditional uh, Ayurvedic medicine, they, you know, for their home remedies. The, the Chinese community is exactly the same. You know, there are more than 150 Indian ingredients, 150 Chinese medicinal ingredients, which were on the, which were banned and restricted under the 2016 list. And I quite honestly, you know, absolutely sure that the regulator is when they're appointed, whoever they are, goodness knows who they'll appoint, but he'll walk in there and say, well, as a first base, we're going to use the 2016 list. It's a foregone conclusion. And let's remind people that there were two victories pushing back on this previously, that and that was pushed back on by the people so that the government stopped trying to take over and control everything we have. We have to do it again. What were some of the techniques that were used back then, Guy? What what made the pushback successful back then? Writing documents. I mean, there's still a section in the library about the the parliamentary library about the 2016 bill. Uh, writing quite long documents it was one thing. I, you know, arguing these things point by point. Um, private meetings with John Key, who uh, you know changed his mind because look, 50% of the population more than take natural health products so it was possible to meet with people in authority and say we don't want this so influential people did that um and then meeting with mps and petitions you know it was a big and then we had an industry group so i worked with uh, about 15 uh uh, supplement manufacturers, herbal manufacturers, uh, and we formed an industry group and we put pressure on the government directly from that industry group. This should happen. You've got to be aware here because there are other industry groups of big manufacturers who want this because it will put their smaller competition out of out of uh, out of business. And that's never good for the customer. Never when when there's a monopoly or a virtual monopoly. Especially here in New Zealand. I mean, we are such a small country that the you know, monopolies get created so easily. So it's such a tragedy that in that list, you and and I also, as someone who worked in mainstream media, we don't even look to mainstream media anymore to fairly report, to encourage balanced debate on this. But in a good country, we would have mainstream media debates 
representing both sides and people able to look at this and make their own minds up. And I'm sure most Kiwis, more than that 50%, would say, well, I want freedom to choose what I put in my own body. I do not want this government overreach. But mainstream media is not helping those debates anymore, are they? Well, it's because the funding media, uh, funding mechanism of mainstream media has completely changed. And as we saw uh, this week that uh, the Children's Health Defence filed a lawsuit in Washington, antitrust suit against the BBC, because the BBC has been organising a coalition of um, legacy media outlets, including the Washington Post, including level social media giants, AP, Reuters, to actually restrict the uh, content of um, alternative media. And why were they doing this? Uh, internal documents which have been coming to the possession of those bringing the lawsuit uh, from the BBC had correspondence which said, we are not doing this um, because of particular content. We are doing this to stop competition in, in media because they didn't want to lose, they were losing their audience to alternative media outlets. Whether what they were saying was true or not wasn't a concern. It was simply a matter of um, it monopoly. Legacy media was on its dying legs, really. It was very wobbly before the COVID rollout, which which funded it so well. So that that's a real issue. And uh, we will have to we will have to really, as a country, start to use alternate media and move away from watching the news. Someone said to me yesterday that the mainstream media is the virus at the moment because of its suppression of truth. However, on the positive side, Guy, more and more are seeking truth. I asked you earlier, how can someone approach such a meaty uh, it's it's sort of fluffy more this this bill because it isn't really full of meat. It's full of a lot of verbiage to me, and it's, it's very hard to read. Yeah, it's very hard to read. There's nothing certain. Yeah, take issue, especially take issue with the fact that it is an enabling bill. It's a different kind of bill. It is a bill used by repressive regimes. Yes, basically walking in there and saying we have a right as a government to control what you take for your health mm. that i and we will appoint someone and he will decide for you okay so i go to my local uh my local representative i walk in his office i have that half hour appointment what do i say to him what do i what do i want to get across what are the three things you'd advise each person who who rings up and makes that appointment and reminds them we are in an election year if you want me to vote for you, you'd better listen to me now. What did that person say, Guy? What are the three big things they need to hit with that? With that More local than 50% rate? of people take natural products and wish to continue to take natural products without interference from the government. And natural products are 45,000 times safer, according to the EU, than pharmaceuticals. So they should not be controlled as pharmaceuticals. There is no, absolutely no need for this bill. I, we want to hear from you as a politician that you are getting on and solving the problems that matter to us, not fiddling about with what we have for breakfast. Brilliant. And we want you to oppose this bill in its next reading. And these submissions must be done, or these calls, these appointments with your local MP must be done 
before February the 15th. That's the deadline, isn't it, Guy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really, really good to talk to you. And what I love is you're across all sorts of platforms. For those who wonder your background, just very briefly, you've been an international advocate for food safety and for natural medicines. You've also worked in genetic ID. So you really are qualified to speak on this. Tell us a bit about genetic ID before you go. Genetic ID is a company set up by John Fagan. And John Fagan was a, an award-winning uh, cancer researcher, a molecular biologist in the US. He was in recipient of $5 million, which in those days, in the early 90s, was a, a large amount of money of grants to research cures for cancer. He realized that his research was being misused by commercial biotechnology projects. He he returned those $5 million of grants to the government and took a stand and created a company called Genetic ID, which was a company that used testing techniques to test and see whether foods were safe and free from genetic contamination. And his, his company had offices all over the world, and I was working in that and basically certified uh, large transactions of foods and goods as safe uh, and facilitated global trade. So I went all over the world working for him, uh, who's a great guy. And uh, that, that company has now been sold. It's now known as Food Chain ID. It's no longer in Iowa where I worked. But, um, you know, he was a pioneer of standing up, you know, $5 million. Yes, you can have that back. I'm not going to be doing this. Great example of what is needed, the kind of courage that is needed at this point in time. So as you say, there are there is this growing groundswell of concern. People should feel confident that they can just step forward and they can take those big steps that are that are dictated by the scientific research and start to speak up. And, you know, the, you have to do that. That's that's your moral. You know, you have these moments in life where you have these choices and how you choose defines who you are as a person. And defines the society we have. And I would issue that same challenge to mainstream media. Stop decrying Guy Hatchard. You've just heard his qualifications. You've heard his ethic, ethical basis of why he worked in that company and what he's done. He is speaking in the very area in which he has an innate expertise from his years of work here. And he is going to be on lots of platforms. Mainstream media interview Dr. Guy Hatchard with respect and open-mindedness and you do your job and question this government on behalf of the more than 50% who do not want this bill. Thank you so much, Guy. We'll talk again and I love seeing you across lots of platforms. It's wonderful. I love Lovely talking to you. Wonderful. Great. It's great. And we will win this. Please get in and Winnable. see your local constituents. Winnable. Please do that. Thank you, Guy Hatchard. Yeah, you take care. Bye-bye, Liz.